Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I am your guest, Chris Gamble. And we are your hosts, Parker Dolman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 300. Woo! Yay! That's we great, made guys. it. Congrats. Yeah, Thank you, Chris. We, we did it. This is some kind of a milestone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, numerology and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so that, uh, do you guys hit in 50 a year? I mean, like, so is that six years as well, roughly? Yeah. Uh, I, mean, we, I think we we're having our fifth anniversary at the beginning of February next year. So 2022's fifth anniversary, I think. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't check out with the math, right? Or is it six? Well, 300 divided by 52. So we average on in the amp hour, which I think we're going to also be posting this as the amp hour. Um, so, well, hello, amp hour. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, we do about 50 a year. You know, like we take a couple off and we do a couple repeats and whatever. So, um, yeah. I mean, we, well, we've recorded once a week continuously for uh, 300 episodes. Uh, I, I've missed two out of that because of uh, travel and, uh, and a work uh, event. But uh, Parker was, uh, Parker's been here for 300 episodes once a week for 300 weeks. So that's almost six years. Yeah, yeah the, our first episode was February 12th, 2016. Wow, yeah. That's yeah. great. There yeah. we go. We're doing it. Mm-hmm. And people are still listening and, to it. And still listening and still like it. You guys still like doing it? It's like, well, I think you guys were saying before we started recording, it's like, you know, you just get to, you know, come here, shoot the breeze. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It was it was one of those things where we, so we started the podcast as just a way to generate content because it was, it's easier to, it's, it's easier to do a podcast than to write a engineering article. Oh. Tell me about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think That's I have. I think true. I have an a article that I need to finish, and it's like two years old now. Um, wow. And uh, so yeah, and we thought Steve and I thought that we would get to like maybe episode twenty five, and then like like Chris Church, the other founder of Macfab, would just like pull the plug. Yeah, like he's like, no, this is dumb. Pull the plug. <laughs> no, this is dumb. Well, <laughs> and, I, I remember we we started and and the amp hour was was already well established. Uh, I think you know you're on five hundred something at this point. I think what five. This will be five sixty four. Yeah, this, this is five sixty four. Yeah, so yeah. so you were already in the two hundreds when we started, um, and and I remember looking at that and be like, oh, two hundred something episodes. Like we'll never get anywhere near that point. Yeah, <laughs> time marches on, guys. You know. Yeah, time marches on. Yeah, has no not been lie. kind to me. <laughs> 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 well, uh, so uh, it's been 210 episodes since I've been here. Uh, what's been what's been the happy haps? What's uh, what's been going on? Oh, well, uh, let's just ignore <laughs> like the last year and a half, right? Okay, all right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's still that's only like uh, 90 episodes. So that's only like 90 yeah. episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, it's been crazy at Macrofab. Hmm? Like yeah. the so last last year, even during COVID, mm-hmm. uh, we were at like fifty some odd employees. We just crossed. Hold on, I'm gonna check Slack. See how many people we have right now. Mm. Uh, I think it's like a hundred and twenty. Mm. 127 people at Yeah, Mac so Fab you're right definitely what I forget that number is called, but like a you know that number where you can't like you literally can't know everybody's name in a group, and it's like that starts to impact things. It's about fifty five. <laughs> no. 55 is that's that's your number yeah yeah no it's i think it's 150 it's like morgan's number or something like that i don't remember what it is but oh i'm still talking about macrofab like oh yeah when yeah. we hit about 55 employees like i couldn't remember <laughs> everyone's name anymore who is that <laughs> yeah oh it's yeah, even tougher what? too like hiring during pandemic times too and it's just like you know people are onboarding because they have to be and it's just it's just a normal thing that has to happen and I don't know it first off, it really sucks for the people coming in because it's really hard to like make solid connections with someone and uh, and and well, like, I don't know, like feeling comfortable like asking someone for a favor when you haven't met them in person is just tough to do. It's like, I don't know what they're like. So you just gotta like force people together otherwise. It's been interesting because we're doing we do manufacturing where I'm at, and we've hired 
plenty of people throughout uh, COVID times. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, we're having a Zoom call at, uh, in this interview and we're sitting there saying, like, we're probably going to see each other maybe once a week kind of thing. Mm. Um, you're going to drive in, pick up parts in a bin and drive them home. And then <laughs> if you have questions, we'll talk. And, oh, wow. uh, and it's, it's a, just a completely different paradigm. And, and in fact, we just hired two new people uh, last week or, or two weeks ago, actually. And uh, I, I'm forcing it where it's like we're having a barbecue in the parking lot because the last, the last group of people, the, the first time they met the owner of the company was at the Christmas party. Just oh, wow. because yeah. of COVID, you know, yeah, and totally. uh, yeah. and it was just one of those things. I was like, no, we got to change that. Um, I mean, you know, yeah, there's just some some fundamental human things that you just can't get past. And I I don't know, like I think I, so. Like I'm I'm working with some teams that are like overseas even, and I'm just like, I, when are we gonna? I don't know when the borders are gonna open back up, and like when I could see people. And so, yeah, you just gotta like force the issue as much as you can. I mean, if, if you can't if you can't have the barbecue in the parking lot, you gotta. You got to do something else, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, I've really appreciated that about the owner of my company. He He's put a kind of a cap on the on employees. Uh, he doesn't really want to go past 20 employees at the at the company. We very easily could, but he doesn't want to go past that because he wants to be able to at least know everyone's name. And he takes uh, he puts effort into spending time with all of his employees. He'll he'll go one on one with you to go get a beer just to see how you doing, how's everything going, and and he just really fears this concept of like I don't know who my employees are. I just signed their paycheck. You know, problem is with staying at twenty employees. If you grow big enough, it's like well you uh, you've got a thirty seven hour work day tomorrow. So <laughs> Tr- trust me, we're we're all feeling that because like yeah, the company grows and and sometimes it even grows when you're not even intending it for it to grow. Oh, totally. It just does and yeah. and it grows and it's like oh okay, so you have two options: hire more people or figure out a way to be more efficient. And uh, sometimes both of those are really difficult. Uh, and 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 it kind of goes to that whole the the idea. I've talked to Parker about this a bunch. We, we we've worked with people in the past who were like the way they surmounted a problem is they just say, Oh, I'll work harder. And, and that, that doesn't like work harder for most people just amounts to I'll put more hours into a thing. And that's that's exactly what it is, Steven. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. Two months from now, I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. (laughs) Like I like what always goes through my mind is like someone who's like oh, I'm working hard. It's like you see them at their desk and they're just like like grunting. Like this is Steam is coming off, you know, out like, of their ears. Yeah, like, what does that even mean? Like it doesn't mean I do layout so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't go over there. Steve is working they have to, hard. They have to call IT department and get a new keyboard because they coded yeah. so hard. Yeah. I, I, I yeah. Working hard is a is just a goofy term. Uh, if you ask me, because uh, because it, it just amounts to like, somebody being like, well, I'll work overtime. You can only no, do no, that there is a way so of, of saying it as becoming more efficient at your job is a thing. Um, if you know well, a little bit of scripting and have some, I, it's yeah, funny. But it's, in, in times of stress, though, like I, the last thing I'm thinking is like efficiency or like figuring yeah, things out exactly. and like doing things better. It's more just like. Oh God, just, you know, like I, I talk about just get power, done. like flash mode. That's what I, that's what I always do. It's like when I'm like <laughs> feeling, it's like, you know, like you got your, your adrenaline's really going. You're just like, Oh, I just got to freaking figure this out. Oh, I don't know. Oh, I tried this. I got to try it again. Oh, try it again. Try it again. Try it again. It's just, and you're like, you get yourself in a hole and, and you can't get out. Yeah, you can't. You know, I'm, I'm going to yeah. use that next time when, when, when we have a big problem and someone's like, yeah, we just need to work hard. Be like, no, no, thrash mode. No, That's no what thrash, we thrash mode. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it, it, it's one of those things where, because sometimes where you do have like a little bit of a break and you can like maybe write a little piece of like a script that helps your, helps your job out or whatever. Because the worst thing that can happen is you write that script and you never, ever use it again. That's right. Yeah. So you made this all this efficiency and, Never get to use it again. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Like the idea of working hard or working extra extra time in this like thrash mode, I think is actually valuable uh, for like a quick short period of time. Like you could surge and work hard to write that script that makes everything really simple, you know, down the line. But nobody mm. can just withstand like this complete surge of working hard. I'm using air quotes here indefinitely. Well, I mean, that's the entire thing with um, past couple years in the video game industry with crunch. Oh, what's that? Um, it's where, well, it, <laughs> the last <we're>, month. <laughs> well, you say the last month, but what was happening with these video game developers was they were in crunch mode for years. 
And so developers, software developers are in, are working 70, 80 hours of just working hard, right? Mm. And and then it just explodes. What's interesting though is that's kind of been like the dirty little secret of like the video game industry of developing uh, video games. Um, what's interesting, we're seeing the same kind of thing happening with all industries because of COVID. Yeah. Because right. we have what massive layout. People are just saying, fuck it, I'm not even working anymore, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. There's a huge, you know, a lot of people quitting, and the the great, uh, it's the great quitting or something. I, there's a bunch of you know, fancy articles about it. Yeah, yeah. The great, it's not recession, but it's, it's another uh, resignation. R-word. Maybe resignation. Res- I yeah, think it's what they right. used. Yeah, 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 yeah. You guys know anyone? Anyone in your circles doing that? Basically, uh, I, I I haven't heard it in the electronics industry much. I mean, I don't know if it's maybe it's a. I've only I've only seen people leave for um, wage issues. Um, oh, sure. Okay. Because they've looked at they've looked at during COVID brought a lot of introspective um, thought where you could look back and be like, what am I doing with my life? Uh, yeah. You know, and then some it, of them it, YOLO, some of them YOLO. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah right. And then, uh, yeah, it's like, OK, so uh, maybe I really like my job, but it's just not paying the bills and being mm-hmm. at home 24 hours a day is making me really look into that. So maybe I trade, um, you know, a job I really enjoy for a higher pay. You know. mm. Yeah, or the uh, you know some places are going or moving back to everyone in the office, and people really enjoyed the work from home. Which mm-hmm. for me, I got really after six months of working from home, I was ready to go back to the office. Mm. But for some people, they have family, kids, you know, which totally makes sense actually from working from home. Yeah. Like, well, being I able to cur- raise- I, I'm currently in my home office. And uh, I have been very lucky. The house that I've, I've just moved, I don't know if you guys heard that. I'm in Durham, North Carolina now. Um, and uh, so I'm very lucky to like have an office here. And I was like really excited to also like join a shared workspace like I did in Chicago. But then I realized I was like, wait, but all my tools are in the lab. <laughs> you know, it's like I have to have like non, <laughs> non-hardware days to really like make sense to go into the, the workspace. Even though I want to, you know, I want to meet people. I've obviously got a lot. I'm trying to build a new network here, stuff like that. But yeah, it's a... Uh, you know, I'm tied. I'm I'm, mar- I'm married to my electronics guys, and also my wife. So <laughs> don't tell her I said that about the electronics. <laughs> hey, you got the order wrong there. That's I did. Yeah. I did. <laughs> yeah. So so I I was in the office all of COVID because I I had to uh, I was considered essential because I was running um, some of our manufacturing machines there. Mm-hmm. And uh, since COVID has opened up, I've. Um, I've I've trained people to do my job and now I work from home as often as I can and it's amazing. Mm. It's yeah. so great. So it's just completely opposite from everyone, but I've, I've my productivity has gone through the roof because of that. That's great. Yeah, it, I mean it, like it, unbroken it, time is like super important to me like as well, like just to have like a 3-hour block of just you know, but it happens here too, like you know, Zoom meetings whatever. It's just like I need to you know, if I'm doing a layout, I need to be able to do it for a couple hours to like get into it and get in that mode, and get in the flow and and whatever. If I'm God forbid, writing code. I need to like work myself up to it, you know, get a pack of smokes and, you know, really calm myself down, get myself amped up with a pot of coffee and then, you know, I don't, I'm <laughs> a dire pot. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. <laughs> um, I, I'd, be, I'd be curious because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm for you, the same Chris, way. is an emotional roller coaster. Isn't it? <laughs> that is. truer words have never been spoken Parker. (laughs) i'm really curious from our listeners if you put it up in the in the slack channel if if you're the same way i'm i'm exactly the same way with that with that chris i can't i can't just get into layout mode for 10 minutes Mm -hmm. i have to get into layout mode for half a day uh Mm -hmm. and and i've i've even been known to put a song a single song on repeat and listen to it over and over and over. And for, and like, I'm not really listening to the song. It just has me in this like layout zone kind of thing. Mm. And, and being at home and being away from, I I hate to say this because it's uh, like, everyone knows what I mean, but it's, this is a little bit mean, uh, but like being away from dumb questions and, Mm. and dumb questions are those things where like, Look, I've asked a bazillion dumb questions in my life, but if you if if somebody doesn't have the ability to just walk into your office and ask that dumb question, they'll find a way to figure it out. It's just if you're the person that can like answer yeah. that quickly, they'll just go that that route. And trust me, I'm the person that goes that route as well. Yeah. But it's yeah. I I've I've found that COVID's actually been really fantastic for that. People are so much more self-sufficient 
because they have to be not because yeah. there's just like someone with the answers one door down well i feel like that goes in both directions too because like you know organizations have to be you know if they're remote first which many are becoming that way or shifted that way at least during COVID. it's like you got to document better whereas like before it was like well i'll just go ask steven again i'll just go ask steven again i'll ask parker again you know like and it's just like and now it's like you guys also have to document the thing so that people can find it later um and it's a little bit more hassle but i don't know no i ultimately i I would say about a third of my job is documentation and uh the uh i think my my biggest response now is copy pasting links from our documentation to that person yeah that's that's the that's the answers in here bless bless your heart (laughs) answers in there here you go darling (laughs) i'm honestly really close on thinking about writing a slack bot Mm. that if someone if it finds a sentence towards me with a question mark at the end it just (laughs) it searches that into our 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 knowledge base and then that is so perfectly the first URL result. Yeah. Parker, that is that is like the most passive aggressive engineer thing you could do. Because yeah. yeah. <laughs> of them it would just be like me just copy pasting links still. Mm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I and then just have like a couple canned like aggressive. hey the answer is in this article. Give me another message if you needed more help. Yeah. Yeah. But in, <laughs> make like four or five different revisions of that sentence and it just randomly <laughs> picks one. Bingo. Bingo. Actually, I uh, I'm not a big fan of the program itself, but I am a big fan of the idea. Uh, one of the companies I work with is, uh, uses this thing called Loom, L O O M, and basically it's like five minute limit, but you can record little videos and like snippets and stuff like that of yourself and whatever. And uh, I really like that for like sharing ideas and like basically it's like having many meetings without having to actually then be like, oh, and what do you think? What do you think? It's like no, here's just my information. Leave me alone, and you know, and then you just go off and do your next thing. <laughs> That's kind of a cool idea. Um, the you know the software itself is just okay, but the 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 I, the concept is and actually I think Slack just stole it. Uh, they do it now for like you know snippets in Slack as well. So yeah, there's like huddles too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like uh, you, yeah, you can do like a quick hangout, base a Google Hangout, basically with anyone that's in that Slack channel. Yeah. Um, which is it's kind of nice. Um, yeah, hmm. Slack Slack's not my favorite. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> mine either i'm actually kind of so we've talked about this before um moving off of slack and mm. well not as a company but as a the uh community for mac web engineer podcast uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. and going to discord yeah because that seems to be like the the hotness for it's okay yeah community driven stuff there's a lot there's a lot out there it's just not that you know like it's just like how do you pay attention yeah. to them you know exactly well and, and, and if we were tagged, to you know <laughs> If we were to shift right now, you know, we've got six, seven hundred people in our in our Slack channel for the podcast. If we were to shift, that would drop to a hundred, you know, and we'd have to oh, yeah, we'd yeah, have to yeah, restart. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, totally. that's the only downside. Mm-hmm. But hey, let's go. Just let's just go back to hip chat. <laughs> hip chat. Oh, that's classic. <laughs> I, on the you know, so Dave and I talked about the collab tools last week on the Amp Hour. Uh, have you guys? Taken any hot hot takes on on collaborative tools? Any uh, what are you doing for layout these days? I guess that's what oh, I was about. EDA this tool was, stuff. Yeah, this is around EDA, like collaborative EDA. Oh um, man, I'm still using Eagle, and I'm trying. To, I'm actually been learning Altium. Okay, yeah, attempting to learn Altium. No, uh, they have some collaboration tools in there. I haven't even touched that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, because Altium is a out of all the EDA tools I've used, it is completely different than anything else I've ever used before. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I think it's you? it's worked out to be fairly serendipitous because I started using DipTrace back in uh, 2013, and uh, and I got pretty I got proficient at it um, until uh, I came to this job, which this job uses DipTrace 100%, and I've noticed. Oh. That what's interesting is in the synthesizer community, uh, DipTrace is kind of a standard. Uh, so oh, it just worked out that I was able to plug right in pretty easily with it. So that's that's been my main. I've but um, yeah, I always like I like DipTrace. It's it's nice. I mean, like it's you know it's very straight ahead. It it was always like really straightforward as a as a platform. I thought. Ever yeah, it doesn't like it tries really hard to make the user interface not engineering. And and mm-hmm. actually, I really appreciate that. 
Um, but we do have some customers that use Altium and some that use KiCad, so I have to kind of yeah. bounce around. Or KiCad, I'm not sure which way it is. Nope. Oh, yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Either like or, amazing, right? It's an amazing shirt. <laughs> yeah, your shirt doesn't even answer for me. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, and I, at MacRev, I use. I pretty much have to be at least. I won't say proficient, but I at least navigate pretty much every single EDA tool. Oh, we have yeah. useful. Our okay. customers use everything. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Got it. Yeah. I. Yeah. I mean, the. I think the real question is just like if you were. I don't know how much you guys have to like work with other people on layout stuff. That's the. Yeah, because that would be more on, like, for me, it's just I get stuff from customers or it's my own design stuff. And I don't really collaborate with other uh, layout engineers. Well, okay, so we have two main designers at work, myself and the owner. And uh, Mm -hmm. we both are proficient at at dip trace. And uh, we mainly try not to step on each other's toes. So Mm -hmm. if there's a project that I'm working on, it is 100% mine unless the owner needs to massage it for whatever reason. Uh, mm-hmm. into our system or whatever he's going with her. And sometimes he'll kick me stuff over for uh, review. But we've we've <laughs> we've argued it out enough that uh, I have a method and he has a method and they plug in okay enough that we uh, <laughs> don't have mistakes. Mm, but like yeah. simple things like I prefer silk screen on my boards and he doesn't. Uh, in terms of reference designators, I yeah, like I'm, having reference I'm, designators and stuff yeah, like that. I'm so not, I'm not night camp, yeah, but yeah, uh, but yeah, these so, are just that's just personality at that point, right? I mean, it's yeah. like yeah, and it's really funny because like the people down the stream in our manufacturing line, without even being told, they can look at a board and know who it came from. Like, of course, that, the that was screen. I was about to ask but, is. Yeah. But can even if they just, just look at the at traces, boards? they could be like, "I yeah, know who made yeah. this board." Yeah, it's like it's like your handwriting, effectively, right? I mean, that's yeah, like, there's a fingerprint. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting yeah, for sure. I I would love to. I've never. I've I've heard it's out there. I've never experienced it, but I'd love to see a multi-seat, uh, concurrent EDA tool where multiple yeah. people are working at the same time. I, I think that would just be chaos. I feel like but, that's uh, like the, that's like engineering porn. That's like what people think. <laughs> That it's like that it like yeah. that's needed, you know, and it's like yeah. that's not how it normally happens. Let me tell you about the birds and the bees. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was about to say that's like if you pitched that and made that work, you'd get so much VC funding. Yeah, exactly. But no engineer would actually use it. <laughs> I just think about it at like the you know like well so so Parker, I'm sure you see this a lot in Macrofab too. Like the like CAD is so often done at an institutional level. I guess, Steven, you're even just talking about it, right? You went into a company and it's like the CAD stuff is already decided. It was decided 15 years ago and by the, you know, the pile of designs that are already made. So it's like, all right, you know, so then, so the uh, uh, engineer Bob who's in the chat here is talking about like KiCad at home, all team at work, right? So that's how, that's how the split sometimes starts happening. And that makes a lot of sense where, you know, you could, you know, if you're doing your own thing, you're starting from design zero and you get to just go and, you know, use whatever you want, but you just have to use what they use at work. And that might be Altium, it might be Eagle, it might be, God help you, Orcad. Orcad. Yeah. <laughs> All three of us, we've uh, yeah. you've used Orcad, right, Chris? Yeah. Uh, it's, I've, uh, uh, I've used the only the schematic capture. The, the I was never allowed to do the layout. Oh, <laughs> allowed? <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the oh, you had to have the dongle, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I've, I've, Parker and I both dealt with it and, and it was a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how any company functions with that piece of software. The dedicated people. That's, I mean, I think that's what it comes down to is like, it's, it's like another right, structural thing. You have to have people in, in, and then in there. And then, so now you have someone who has a job based on workhead. They're probably very proficient at it. Right. No, no doubt about that. You can get stuff done if you need to, right? And then they do, right? I mean, like the, some of the biggest design houses use it. And then it's like, all right, now we're going to have an engineering review and should we switch to another thing? And the guy who's like, who has ORCAD designer on his business cards, like, I vote no. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, I had a sales guy spell it out to me one time because uh, I actually purchased ORCAD for a previous company because the, oh, wow. the the engineering manager just said, go buy a copy of ORCAD. So I just did. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the, the sales guy came in after we had it for a month or so. And I was I looked him straight in the face. I was like, this software is horrible. <laughs> and and like and and I I, I used it He's in like, front man, of him, and I, I was like, "Why does it do this? Why did?" And he was like, "Look, let me just be honest with you." He's like, "Your company, you have one seat of this." He's like, yeah, "You're you, kind of you a small fry." Nothing. He's yeah. like, 
the old graybeard engineers at this other place that have 50 seats they're the guys we pay attention to and mm-hmm. all their engineers are in their late you know in their mid to late 60s and mm-hmm. they're the guys when they say jump we say how high and mm-hmm. it's just like oh good lord so okay cool so i'm getting screwed <laughs> yeah i mean that's not that is not that is not limited to eda either right I mean, oh of, like, course. of course i mean every time uh a past company of mine that was in the test equipment industry uh talked about taking off a gpib port uh let me tell you every every arm was thrown in the air oh my god we can't get rid of gpib it is it's the needed modern modern interface that every user wants Why i feel like you have to it? say well that. they all they all have equipment that has it on it well that's because nobody took it off that old equipment like <laughs> <laughs> that's that's fantastic yeah yeah i mean that's it's, just i mean that's i think i think it the, one of the things it points out to me is just like there is hyper specialization in our industry right and people need very specific things and then you have companies that are servicing these niches not even niches but just like these hyper specified you know they have this lane and if you try and go outside that lane it is really tough and you know i feel bad <laughs> sometimes i feel bad uh disparaging people who are trying something new, which is what I was doing last week. It was a startup who was trying to do something new and like, you know, good on them. Honestly, like I'm glad that they're trying something new. It's not for me, but, but there might be other new engineers, right? It really all comes down to like, what's the eject rate of the graybeards? You know, like we need to really just hit that eject button a little more often. Uh, How old is your audience guys? I don't know about my audience. Uh, (laughs) So I I mean, I I love the graybeards. I love them. (laughs) Well, it was it. It's it's uh the the phrase I really like or or sentence I guess is uh tradition because you know everyone like goes on about traditions. Tradition. It, so 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 Orcad <laughs> is like the tradition at a company, right? Mm. Well, traditions are just peer pressure from dead people. <laughs> <laughs> so I have not heard that before. That's fantastic. I, not, I, I, I like that. Yeah, that's great. So, so it's it's yeah trying. <laughs> Looking at different software, I mean, it's also because I've 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 used like four different EDA, like made boards with four different EDA tools over my yeah. short career so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish I was better at, at KiCad, KiCad um, than I am. I'm awful at it still. <laughs> I just still can't get my my brain around its interface. Um, mm. But I try. Real quick tangent: I still cannot figure out origins in. Keycad, I, I I had I had to panelize a board and oh. then uh, create uh, create a pick and place file for our assembly team and just trying to tell them where zero zero was was a, a yeah, headache. It's, yeah, it's top left. <laughs> it's it's yeah. in the top left. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's top left, good. but they don't work in top left. That's right. Uh, that's my right. pick and place yeah. team. So it's like right. uh, it's yeah, yeah. the V six that's fixed. But. Yeah. The, oh, is um, it really? Okay. Yeah. When we started Macrofab, I actually was the person who wrote one of the first parsers for KiCad for our platform. Mm. And yeah, it was because we were, the industry is bottom left, uh, corner of the board is zero, zero. And so mm. that was one of the first things I had to figure out was, okay, where's, where are these numbers coming from, from <laughs> yeah, KiCad? <sure>. Oh, <laughs> it's top left. And so you have to figure out it's what top the board ex- of, of the sheet as well the it's sheet not top yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 all, yeah, all, all, all of my y's are negative and they're big mm. and i don't mm. know why <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then going in basically finding where the where your board is at and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and then just doing yeah. some you know Offsets, math. yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. then you can easily figure it out but it was one of those that that was actually my first introduction to keycad so that was a lot mm. of fun <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's getting there guys it's getting there Couple more years. Couple more years. I I had to. I I took a customer's board and uh, they gave it to us for a DFM. And mm. I, uh, well, it was it was a board assembly, so it was three PCBs. And uh, within a, a day or two, I I had you know them. I had them panelized up. I had mm. all the all the correct manufacturing files spit out and things like that. Mm. But I feel like. I was only able to do that because I had knowledge of other EDA tools and I had done that on other EDA tools. Yeah. If I was doing that from scratch, it would have been like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. like, yeah, I knew what I needed at the end. So I just had to figure out how to make KiCad do that thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm really excited. I mean, like one thing I get excited about with, with KiCad in general is like the, is the influx of software people. Like I think that people that have like, like CICD type of stuff. Like I'm really interested in that sort of thing, you know? So like 
at some point, if I hit save, it would be really cool that it goes and checks everything on the board and like, you know, all the way through to the export. Like that would be, that would be the best case scenario if I, or maybe not save, but you know, I do a commit. Um, and like, and I think there are a lot of people pushing that kind of methodology generally. And then just other Python scripting gurus that are making things capable for me or possible for me that I am not capable of. So that's, that's also really important. <laughs> I think the most exciting thing about KiCad is how fast uh, new features get added to it. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And how quickly it's, it's, it's also, I guess you could, from the ORCAD perspective, it's a bad thing because things change. Uh, yeah. But from the other side of the spectrum, it's a great thing because it's rapidly changing and rapidly evolving and, you yeah, can I feel like inter the interface that stuff is that's where it usually that's when things fall apart when people get upset, right? They're like, "Oh, yeah. I don't want it. Where did where did my button go?" You know, like that's always a <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, we had that true. happen at Macrofab. Yeah, yeah. Is on the admin side, we a button got moved around mm -hmm. when and no one told anyone where the button went. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was actually th this morning. April Fools. <laughs> So, see, see with dip, with dip trace, they 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 lead you with a carrot, and they'll give you uh, smaller revisions like three point one, three point two, and they just keep feeding you those, and then they'll put everything into this beautiful four point package and be like, well, it's three hundred dollars to upgrade uh -huh. to four point <laughs> and it's like, oh, I, I have to because all yeah. of these features are awesome, yeah. and we've been asking for years for them. Yeah, yeah. Autodesk, on the other hand, just takes a big bite out of your wallet every month. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, industry, industry, isn't it fun? <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing we've said here is new, right? No, no. well, it's three hundred <laughs> episodes for you guys and five sixty for us. I mean, like, it's we're gonna we're gonna get some repeats on on here. <laughs> One thing I probably didn't bring up last time on episode ninety, development board guild. I'll show you, I should go read those notes too. Um, so I since since the last time we recorded, I started using EFM eight parts. Talk about modern. Guys, let me tell you, <laughs> an eighty fifty one core. Yeah, eighty. Oh, yeah. yeah EFM eight. Are you using a sleepy B? I am not using a sleepy B. I was using Busy a laser B. B. Laser oh, B. Laser okay, B. Yeah. Oh, top yeah, of laser line. B. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I wanted the four DAX. That's where that came from. And okay. uh, having four DAX is pretty important uh, for my for my scenario. Uh, but I know Parker. I think when after I I so I I first chose it because uh, uh, Ken. No, not Ken. Ken? What, over at Parallax? No, not Ken. No, he would try to get you to do a prop. Yeah. Yeah, no. Um, who am I thinking of? Uh, $1 microcontroller guy. Sorry. $1. <laughs> Engineer Bob Jay, in chat. Jay Carlson. Jay Carlson. So, so, so Engineer Bob in chat says the 8051 is the ORCAT of the CPU world. That is that is a great comparison. <laughs> it yeah. is. Because yeah. there's so <laughs> much. It will never die. It will never no, die. There's so no, much code written for that microcontroller core. Mm -hmm. That is. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Jay Carlson had re who wrote the $1 microcontroller. The amazing $1 microcontroller. You guys have surely read that article. Um, yes, he mm -hmm. turned me on to that laser B part and I started looking at it and I needed four DAX sometime later and I was like, Oh wow, this hits it. And so, but then I like started like trying to learn it and the only things I could find were posts from Parker and posts from Jay. And I was like, Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> this, you know, you're in a bad spot. It's, it's not quite as bad as when you're like doing a Google search and you find your own questions own stuff that has been unanswered <laughs> for for years that's that's also bad i've done that yep. one before too uh, or or the blog post you've written on the topic that you have now forgotten many years later uh, that's also yeah i've done that uh, we, we, we've mentioned this multiple times you also run into that stack overflow or stack exchange whatever mm. uh where that that forum post where somebody posted the problem and then the last very last thing was i found a solution and then they don't say anything no more. answer and that's it <laughs> thanks <laughs> Gone like a fart in the wind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, I, it's uh, it's been an interesting journey. Um, I think they're going to keep it alive. It's you know it's interesting the days of the, the chip shortage. It's like yeah, I guess there's there's a big product line, so it's still kind of around, but uh, it's not getting any better. Uh, <laughs> it's not getting any other features, that's for sure. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting to to write. Are you, are you still doing stuff with that, Parker, or no? The if I mate, no, we. Well, the, the big project I've been working on is, you know, pinball controller stuff. And we're using mm. a AT Mega SAMD. Mm, okay. Um, 
Uh, so I looked at those. They're just expensive, though. I mean, like, so they, they have DAX on them, and that's nice. Yeah. Um, well, when you, when or you, they're hard to find. Well, that definitely. That's everything. That's a microcontroller mm-hmm. right now. Although, although yeah. I'm, looking, I'm looking at one of the big players right now, and you can go out and buy an EFM-8 right now, and Bingo. you could buy some yeah. of them. Yep. Okay. Yeah, and it, there is some pin compatibility. You might be downgrading in terms of what you have on board, but uh, yeah. No, EFM-8s are great. The, uh, the reason why is the... We picked we pick the SAMD because actually for the price point and the features we needed, it was actually really good for it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the uh, FM8s just didn't really have the features that we wanted. I'd rather in, right now be in the FM8 boat if I could because you can actually buy them. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. It's also like you can buy parallax propellers right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Someone's laughing about that all the way to the bank. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah, actually, it's... no, uh, my current hardware project i'm working on now i'm actually using a parallax propeller because i have a tray of them and i'm only going to build a couple of them nice why not I, what is up with the propeller I, I i kind of forget it exists and then sometimes i'm like oh yeah cogs cogs are yep. a thing yeah there's a prop yeah. two now yeah i knew that yeah that finally exists ken and chip were on this podcast what i remember yeah. they came Somewhere. on a yeah. while ago yeah yeah a year and a yeah. half ago at this point mm-hmm um, was that during COVID or or right before it? I can't remember. Oh, that was Anyways, before it. Yeah. Um, I do. I finally got a prop two dev board uh, about a year ago, and hmm. it's a because now they support like C because it used to be just spin and then yeah. assembly. Spins like there was their own language, and mm. I actually that was actually the first embedded language I really learned, mm. and actually I really like it. Um, and then I went on to learn C and then assembly and all that mm-hmm. good stuff. But now there's C for it, but I actually still find myself writing spin code because I find it faster to write it that way. Is it like a scripting language? What is it? I mean, I I remember hearing about it. Um, it's it's a if I recall, it's like it's an, it's like more like Python where it's it's runtime. Okay, that's so it's, it's not compiled. Python it's colorful. I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. colorful like. Actual colors, like there's like yeah, like colors. in in their IDE, like it colors. Oh, everything oh it's just like very your variables are here, and this is going to make your variable block a different color. It's actually it's actually kind of uh, weird. Growing up, I had a Bible. I, this is a super weird tangent, but I had a Bible that was like, depending on what was being said, it would color it. So if this is prophecy, it would be this color. If it's Jesus speaking, it would be this color. If it was Satan speaking, it'd be this color. And programming in spin <laughs> just, just makes I'm me just think imagining- of like. I'm coding prophecy right now. colorblind being like, oh, man, this devil says some weird shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Love thy it, neighbor. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> Everything's confusing. Why is it all in gray? Yeah. yeah. Not to make fun. I'm not making fun of people with color, colorblindness, of course. Just that that's no. uh, interesting. That yeah, no, interesting that, crossover. Yeah, that, yeah, that Bible and spin has a has a fatal flaw for colorblind people, I yeah. guess. It's, I mean, it's a real thing for design. Yeah, I mean, like high contrast design is important for, for uh, colorblindness. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I've never tried. I, I have to say, I don't think I will. Um, I'm a little... Oh, uh, it's an oddity. It's 100% an oddity. But they're still around. I mean, that's what's weird. To yeah. be. Like, so are they educational? Are they people designing them into products? Um, I mean, our my first pinball controller, which we built a couple thousand of, it ran up had a parallax propeller on it. Um, it's An a really eight, $8 interesting microprocessor. Yeah, it's it's expensive. Well, the it's, new it's one's twelve dollars, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, but the new one is just what it can do is just amazing. Like, oh yeah. You, so crazy. on the new one, I think there's like sixty four pins, IO general purpose IO pins, and each one can be a DAC or an ADC. Yeah, it's it's bonk. Like the peripherals in that thing is just crazy. It really is like the anything chip. Uh, like you can, but you, you have can, to code it that way because yeah, like you have to force where, it. Yeah, where like you have like you set up a DAC or like you like you just set up some registers and then the hardware does its thing. It's actually more kind of like an FPGA in terms of you have to write that stuff in code to make like you turn you turn a cog into a a a. Uh, a uh, a what would be a good example? So it's like block configuration, almost like you're saying. Kind like, of this yeah. cog is a blank, and then it does this function. Yeah, it does that. this functionality. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but they can do a lot more than that. But that's just a good way to think about it. You, you know, what one of the big downfalls is I'm actually looking at it on Mauser right now. A Prop Two Dev Board is hundred and thirty dollars. 
And uh, and that's not like horrible or anything like that. But if you're like a do-it-yourselfer or if you're like a get-into-entry-level guy, a $130 dev board to just have access to the processor is uh, steep, right? Mm. Well, maybe that begs the question, guys. Is DIY dead? 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 <laughs> dead? Echo! <laughs> 40 minutes in and we reach our topic. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. we got there. We, got we there. did it. I mean, we're kind of circling around it. You know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think Funnel. that's an interesting. I mean, like around the, I don't know, like. Uh, so first off, so I think I would, we have to. I, I think we have to have our binary answers first. No. No. Maybe. <laughs> that's well, not, that's binary. not binary. I'm analog. <laughs> I, what tertiary. can I say? Like it's tertiary. <laughs> I'm. I'm gonna go with uh, no. Question. No. <laughs> hmm? no. Uh, no. I don't. Yeah. I. I. I think it's a. The reason it came, why, why did it come? It came up around like kind of like maker culture or stuff like that we were kind of talking about. But I, I think that the, you know, it's kind of never been easier to do DIY stuff. I think it's just more of, is it romanticized as much? I think that is a, uh, that's a, so is the romanticization of DIY dead? I hope so. Because like, you know, like, oh, you can start your business making 3D printers. Like, you know, that's gone. Ma- yeah. Um, yeah. Great. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, the, it needs to, right? Yeah. It needs to be gone. I, it's interesting where I think it depends. I think the mass market ability, this is like look at Maker Fair, because Maker Fair is gone. Um especially uh I wish like San Mateo was a lot of fun, but like I think what happened there is they the idea of big companies coming in to sponsor makers, I think is over. Um mm. Big yeah, companies like Microsoft yeah, coming in. The sponsor. Google tent or the Mike, yeah, the Microsoft, the Barnes and yeah. Noble tent. That was my favorite. That's when you know that an event is doomed. It's like our biggest sponsor is Barnes and Noble. Barnes and Noble. <laughs> I remember Are you when, a maker? Read about it on paper. Yeah. I remember when Autodesk was was the premier sponsor at, at Maker Fair for San Mateo. And that was that was they had a bonkers booth. Yeah. That was when they launched a Autodesk one two three D. Which turned oh. into fusion. Um, oh, interesting. But uh, oh, so Craft Lab in chat says maybe it's because of COVID and there's no maker fairs for people to obsess over trying to show off their hacks. Well, okay, wait. COVID though, so yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That, that brings Gamble's up a, right. a problem. Like, are you just making it so you can show it off to people? And, and at that point, is it just like social media DIY, or are you yeah. actually trying to solve something? You know. I think it, yeah, all things go. All things you know move towards commercialization, right? Any kind of like any kind of excitement that happens is people are going to be like, oh, I could maybe make that into a business opportunity, you know? Like, and I'm not, I am not immune to this myself, you know? Like, uh, uh, so I think that what happens then, I think what specifically with Maker Fair and maybe more broadly in the industry is like, people started doing that, and then they they're like, I'm a maker, and then they're like, I'm making a maker business. And then they're like, I'm making money off my maker business. And then Maker Fair is like, okay, cool. Now you have to pay us to be here. And they're like, whoa, we're gone. You know, like, and it's just like, and so. <laughs> not cool, man. Yeah, no, not cool. Well, You're not with the ethos of me making money. Yeah, no, know? but the, the interesting thing about that is trying to make money off people who DIY. Because most reason why there's, there's two groups of people who DIY. One, you're doing it to save money. And one, you're, you just enjoy doing it. I would say the group that enjoys DIY just to do it is a lot smaller than the people who do it to save money. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, this is this is assertion. like we're talking about DIY. Like <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to fix the plumbing under my sink. Okay, so like, you're not saying like I'm posting my project to Instructables. You're like I'm correct. just get getting it done because I it done. have to. I'm not hiring a professional. I'm not I hiring. Am, I'm going to fix my toilet myself. Yeah, you know I'm going to fix. Like, right. That's a I that's am, a DIY project. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, so I would say that segment is way larger of a segment of the DIY community, and so when you put, have these, I wouldn't have put the you know the the toilet fixtures in the DIY. In in my head, it wasn't in that camp, but it's okay. probably because we're talking about Maker Fair already. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm getting at is we're pit, pitching to the DIY community. You're trying to pitch to people who don't like to spend a lot of money. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'd say that. More broadly as well, the hardware engineers are cheapskates. I mean, like, 
Oh yeah, I mean, we were talking nice. about one dollar yeah. microcontrollers, and we're yeah, like, right. man, is that is that? Can we get a fifty cent microcontroller? <laughs> I mean, the thing is, like, there are some very real implications from saving money. I can make more things. I can, you know, I get to yeah. fund like and like some like actual like business things too. Like, I can fund my business for longer because I make more margin per board. So, like, being but, a yeah. cheapskate actually leads to my company's longevity. You know. How how many design uh, uh, meetings have you guys been in though, where you're proposing something new and people are just saying like, "Well, that's going to raise the cost of this by twenty cents," oh, you know? Yeah. And like the bean counters are going to you know beat us with a whip if we if we add twenty cents to this. So mm -hmm. like, yeah, I mean we're kind of we're we're trained we're to think yeah, about that yeah. conditioned, yeah. Yeah. yeah, right, right. We are Pavlovian in our cheapskateness, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, I mean who so before pre-supply chain issue, you would go online, search, I need a 10K0603, and you would me click the sort by price ascending. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I will still do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think, I think nowadays you click that in stock button too. <laughs> yeah, there's that. And then it's also like, then there's also that like mental switch of like, well, I'm not sure I should really, even though they're the cheapest, like getting resistors from Bob's resistor shed, uh, you know, like, you know, like buying yeah. some like off brand, who knows what, then it's like, yeah. okay, so maybe if I've been burned enough times, I'll, I'll think twice, but yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Sign me up for the cheapest. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, exactly. I mean, I think that's just how the industry goes, right? I mean, that's also what drives Moore's law, everything else, right? It's not, people aren't doubling their transistor count every 18 months or whatever it's actually doing these days. Uh, you know, it's not because of, because it's fun to make things smaller. You know, I have friends in the chip industry. It is a slog. It sucks. Uh, <laughs> and it's like, no, we need to make money and keep up or else we're dead. You know? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and with component shortages nowadays, I think that kind of cuts a line down, <laughs> Wait, down the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, like there's shortages. Things, you can't find things. Yeah. So, so it kind of cores out this middle section of industry, right? You have big players that can throw their weight around and can uh, spin up fabs or, or convince people to make stuff for them. Or you have the really, really small guy that's making five of something and can sit there and hunt, and, and find for five things on eBay and buy them and make his little project. But in between there, you have this really like you have the people who are sweating every day saying like, I need 300 microcontrollers and I can't yeah. find them. You know? Yeah. I hope I can outsmart someone by buying when DigiKey is like, just happens to have the parts on hand in that exactly. happened like, window. Yeah. Um, yeah. That happened against, against me oh, yeah? on Sam D 21s. Yeah. You got, you got, you got sniped. <laughs> yeah. Someone, someone sent me like, Hey, Digi's got 2,500 of these. I'm like, perfect. That's a year of production. I'll be good to go. 10 minutes later, I'm on DigiKey's website. Already gone. Goose Sailed egg. away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I bet you that box didn't even hit DigiKey's warehouse before it was out the door going again. Mm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that goes that goes exactly to what you were saying, Chris, with uh, commercialization. Like if you're a DIY guy and you kind of have that idea where it's like, oh, I've got this cool concept for a widget and maybe it can make me some money someday. You're looking at chip shortage and be like, why even try right now to make it into something more? I might as well just make one for my house and that's fun and cool. Mm -hmm. And there mm -hmm. we go. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's, it's going to be interesting to see what companies make it. I mean, not interesting. It's sad and terrible and everything else, but like, you know, there, there is going to be a, a reckoning because of this, you know, some companies are just going to maybe not close up shop, but maybe they'll shift their business model or whatever. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know many people who are like, I'm really looking to get into dev boards right now. You know, yeah. like, you know where the yeah. money is? $20 breakout boards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I haven't looked in a while. Um, has, has the technology section on places like Indiegogo and Kickstarter, mm. is that, is that significantly different given chip shortages and things? Or are we seeing tons way of more delays? emails? I get way more marketing <laughs> yeah. emails from them. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Huh? I, uh, I, I only really thing. follow Crowd Supply. Uh, I don't really follow Indiegogo and Kickstarter because of past. Just <laughs> Burn. I can't. Uh, yeah, I just. It's just not. I think it's just lower signal. Like I feel like the you know like Crowd Supply, pretty good. You know some stuff. I'm just like okay, come on. But you know pretty good. You know because it's because it's pretty niche. Indiegogo mm -mm. and Kickstarter. Yeah. If I had to yeah. rate them, you know. Indiegogo is the lowest, and and crowd supplies that the best, I think. So, well, I'm I'm just wondering if 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 you were to look at the data behind 
stuff that's uh, available on on any of those platforms right now uh, are you seeing lots of people saying like hey delays hey we're, uh, you know whatever oh. or if you were to even see like the back end of people who were interested in opening a new campaign and saying like i'm gonna hold off like how uh, much is that seeing or I, we're probably I seeing a from, ton of that when we had chris craft on a couple weeks ago he mentioned that on at least on um what's the other one the one the craft uh website oh um the blue box macaroni and cheese is that what you no mean? no <laughs> <laughs> no it's e, etsy etsy uh or oh, okay. uh etsy and uh, uh pinterest oh tindy tindy, tindy. that's yeah. uh, yeah. where a lot of people are closing their shops because they just can't get parts yeah they'll just come mm. back whenever yep yeah yeah uh, yeah i'm sure yeah. tindy's in flux quite a bit mm-hmm yeah I think the real thing is that people people should probably be raising their prices, but I think there's also resistance to that. You know, it's just like, oh, I, I shouldn't do that. I want to, you know, so like, okay, so now we're back to this DIY ethos, right? I think I want things to be cheap. I think things should be cheap when I sell them. But then it's like, okay, but you're not getting as much margins. So you're not going to stick around. And so it's just like, that's going to hurt. That kind of hurts everyone, I feel like. You know, I feel like yeah. you got to raise your prices on a pretty regular basis too. And, uh, you know, I feel like people in the DIY uh, space might be more willing to uh, self-flagellate in the, the in the business sense of the word uh, rather than rather than like look like they're gouging customers. You know, it's just like mm-hmm. the price increases are just a natural part of well, other industries at least. Maybe not our industry. Usually, uh, I remember there was a, 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 a FAE I used to work with. He's like, yeah, only industry where every year the parts get cheaper. You know, same function. Parts are supposed to get cheaper, though. It's like, oh yeah. shit, yeah, I yeah. didn't think about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, but, I guess you know, I, don't know. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't thought about that. The DIY community, in thinking that the stuff that they should get for cheaper, they should also be able to apply, uh, supply things for cheaper, where that just isn't making sense right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I've seen more than one. Oh, like, oh, we're sorry, we have to raise prices, and it's like, of course you do. Like everybody has to raise, mm-hmm. you know, like that's just a. I think that happens. I think a two, that, two I to three percent per year is pretty expected. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna have, I mean, like, so yeah, if you just have the inflation cost of like, you know, assembly services that come through, maybe there's some efficiencies through a, a macrofabric similar, but like, you know, there's just going to be price increases. Maybe if you even just have an office, you know, like things are gonna go up. So I, I don't know. I feel like uh, I feel like that's one of the one of the downsides is that like, there's just a lot of uh, kind of emotion tied up in it. You know, like because yeah. we're Cheapskates and yeah, that sort of thing. <laughs> well, I th- we we I guess I got two things here. Is so on that gamble is we we also look at it as a well. If it was forty dollars, I would I would just spin my own microcontroller board and spend twenty five dollars right myself and uh, assemble it myself on my oh, bench. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that oh, that we get that in our brain that is, and go that is the worst. That is yeah. always wrong. It's always <laughs> wrong, but we always had that mentality. Oh yeah, That's for right. sure. Um, I can do that cheaper. Yeah, yeah right. that whole I can do it cheaper, mm-hmm. and we're the ones selling. I'll just the spend like sixteen hours on the weekend, and I'll just like it's It'll so be done. cheap. Yeah, yeah it's right, so cheap. Right, then right. I'll build one. I think I'm <laughs> buy fi- everything I'm, quantity one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I'm finally getting to the point old enough where I'm starting to realize time is important. <laughs> oh. So figuring that out in projects, but then yeah. two is on Stephen. With I'm not I'm not going to pretend to be an expert in inflation. But if you look at the actual inflation for like the past 10, 15 years, it's been pretty flat mm-hmm. until now. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And so it's like it's been that two, three percent, and then it mm-hmm. went to like this. It actually sometimes it had dipped down. Yeah, it dipped down a and little so, bit, yeah. And so there's I'm not gonna pretend to be an expert, but you know, there's a lot of people like freaking out over like inflation stuff. But it's like, well, if you actually draw the linear line from way back then, yeah, we're right, still not right, even right up to it yet that's right yeah last year dipped really hard so it looks like it's way worse than it actually is Uh, i see possibly but the maker this whole maker commercialization stuff has really maker and diy has existed for a long time but it's really become the like maker fair and the forefront and being news kind of things it's really been the last 10 years during that period of flattening of stuff flattening and I and think now, one thing that, that that contributes to that too is just like the China ecosystem coming online, growing so huge, right? So like if you really think at like 2000, you know, China was like not a, you know, it was obviously it was a market for 
low cost assembly, stuff like that, but just like the dominance in the electronics industry and just the flattening of costs, I think because of the volume there and like the, you know, taking over a lot of the assembly that's happening and just like all the things that were there and that how that contributed to the low, you know, like just the lower cost of goods overall in the, you know, in certain parts of the world, of course, yeah. and we're all in the States. Um, and then how that then played into the maker movement as well, right? So then now mm -hmm. people are saying, hey, I, as a individual, I can go and take stuff maybe over to China even and, you know, harvest some of that value as well. And then that starts to go away because, well, other brands are doing the same thing or whatever, and it just gets harder and harder to do that. And the cost of imports started to go up as well. So yeah, that that could... I feel like you got an economics it. paper there, Parker. Maybe, maybe <laughs> you might have, you might be halfway to a, a PhD. You know, yeah, like, there yeah, you go. Yeah. He's got to finish his one article that he's writing for two years. That's right. <laughs> the last two years. Right, right. Um, if, if that if that maps, then he'll uh, you know by the time he's in his mid eighties, he might have gotten that PhD. <laughs> yeah, I might get it done. The um, also think about it is when was the first time you could that you buy a prototype piece, just a bare PCB that was mm. under hundred dollars. That's right. Yeah. When was like two thousand six seven ish maybe? That was mine. When I bought a prototype from it was PCBcart.com, which still mm. exists. Yeah, but that was like the first time I ordered a board from China, and uh, it was under hundred bucks. And yeah, as a college I, student, I could barely afford that. So, well, yeah, now I, I now when a board is like ten like, bucks, uh, it's that's expensive, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Yeah, I think that that totally enables that enabled a lot of things, right? I mean, like uh, as a, you know, someone who's trying to build a, a board business out of that, as or like a assembled PCB business out of that, is it's more possible than maybe it would have been back in two thousand five or two thousand. So yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, my first the first boards I got were I think advanced advanced circuits out of Colorado, which right is down where, the street from me. Yeah, just uh, purchased by uh, what's them names uh, Tempo. And uh, yep, no solder mask, <laughs> just bare oh, yeah. PCB, bare ass PCBs, you know. <laughs> yep, I, I, I did that because it was the cheapest uh, option. I did it one time, and there was, and then I hand soldered it, and there were shorts, and it was not fun. Yep, and it was yep. just like, come on, <laughs> this is yeah. why am I doing this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did that same exact thing. Actually, oh, they they, they called it bare bones. That was the option. bare bones. That's right, yep. bare bones. Yeah, yep. yeah, that was fun. <laughs> That wasn't the first board I bought for. Un oh, my whole thing was like under a certain price point because I mm. sold. I, I think those were still over a hundred dollars. Hmm. Yeah, so. uh, yeah, yeah. They were not cheap for what they were. No. Yeah. So yeah, the I think the what would they call it now? Democratization of PCB pricing mm. <laughs> from China. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so certain things came out of like the the D. You know, if we if we conflate DIY with like maker culture and just kind of like, I think like digitally enabled stuff too, like being able to, you know, like when we order boards from China, it is not because we're calling China at, you know, seven at night here and at seven in the morning there. It's because we ordered online and when they get in, they just make the stuff and whatever, no big deal. Yeah. And, uh, but just like that, that digital front end for services, man, that is sweet. I hope that never, ever goes away. I don't want to talk to another goddamn human ever again. And, you know, I know we're, <laughs> On Macrofab podcast, so Macrofab <laughs> doing things right. I don't want to talk to Parker ever again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, no. Uh, no I, when when, my, when Macrofab my, first started, I remember that being a selling point where they were like, "You're an totally. engineer. You want to make yeah. something, and you want to just input your data. You want to be in control of your data, and you don't want to mm -hmm. talk to anyone." Macrofab yeah. allows you to be an engineer. Oh yeah. From start. Sign to me up for that yeah. all day yeah. long. Yeah. I don't. It was talk awesome. To any, I, I want to talk to people after work, and I don't, I think the real thing is I don't want to go back and forth. That's the real thing. Uh, I recently ordered laser cut acrylic on Pinoco, which is you know been around a long time. Uh, very different service than when I last remembered hearing about it, looking at it, whatever. It was so easy that it was just like I'm an illustrator. Twenty minutes later, I've ordered things, and then it just shows up, and I was like, "Oh my god, this is like like I don't have to join a makerspace. I don't have to get into the politics of a makerspace to get access to a laser cutter." Like, do I really have to get training for this machine? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, cool. I more of that. More of that. Yeah, I, I want to be around people. 
just the other day i used the service to order um some uh some jst assembled cables so basically yeah xh style connectors with the uh, uh wires in between effectively that's it and i used an online service that allowed me to pick my connectors pick the colors pick the length and just <laughs> press buy and they that's ship right. yesterday and i haven't talked to a single person Right, it. and you also didn't have to make a engineering drawing of it. I mean, like, Bingo. engineering drawings I didn't have to do are that. important, but yeah. boy, they are a stupid process for like translating. It's like, like Stephen knows he wants this color of wire here. Like, so we have to put it in a PDF to know this. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> it's not like I, you're like specking a brand new color of wire that's going to go all the way back to the plastic manufacturer that then coats, you know, <laughs> stranded twenty-four gauge wire or something. You know, like no, <laughs> honestly, I swear, PD, uh, uh, engineering drawings, not just PDF. Sorry, engineering drawings have traditionally just been a club that you can beat your manufacturer with when they get it wrong. No, I swear to yeah. God, I'm not. I'm, yeah. I'm not yeah. trying to be like yeah. mean that's about all it. But like, what they are. that's what it is. Like, you didn't follow the drawing. Like. You know, <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like it's like the bill of sale for like uh, yeah, for like your specs. You know, yep. no, it, yeah, no, exactly. that's exactly what it is. Yeah. yeah, and then you get those drawings that are just almost black with text and just so much information that there's no way anyone could read it and actually get it right. And <laughs> no one's ever re read it. No one's someone. Some engineer made it in like '84, yeah. and it's just yeah. copy and paste on each yeah. each layout page, and no one reads it. And but yeah. so they send you notes. <laughs> yeah, but and then they send you the actual specifications, and it doesn't match that. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That's yeah. Right. I and see. The, I, you see I've that had, all the time, see that right? Every single day. Oh yeah, every <laughs> day. I've had it called out to me where they're like, um, "Yeah, you sent in this drawing. This this isn't what you ordered. You know that?" I'm like. Oh yeah, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I actually, I, I, I had some, I had some guys just the other day. I'm, I'm getting some plastic parts made right now, and uh, mm. so uh, I'm getting them injection molded. Well, they come out of the mold, and and plastic shrinks a little bit. So uh, I gave some tolerances for for shrinkage allowance on on my drawing, but the the place was asking, hey. You know, we're we're seeing X number show up on all the parts that we've manufactured. Would you mind changing the drawing such that the nominal is now the shrink part? I'm like, well, no, I'm not going to put that because now, whenever I leave the company and someone else yeah. needs to go and get another mold made, they're now going to make the mold for the new shrunk size, and it's going to yeah. shrink again. And you're going to ask yeah. them to change the drawing right. again. So in a hun hundred years, your part is like, <laughs> yeah, it just keeps getting smaller. <laughs> <laughs> did you yeah. um i've mentioned this on the amp hour before but uh i love the Bobaverse books have you guys ever read those or do you know what they are on is is that the is that the where they put someone's brain in a satellite that's right yep yeah okay so basically an engineer he dies they freeze his brain they make him into a consciousness but the whole yeah he goes out to space no yeah so spoilers. he's no spoilers he, there really yeah he becomes an ai basically that's right. Yeah, that's a satellite. Good way to think about it. But he yeah. always talks about like, uh, you know, like in this very, very fictional, although hard science fiction, uh, in this very fictional future, uh, he has access to like matter compilers and, and that kind of thing. And I feel like that is like that is the ultimate. And that's also like in uh, Diamond Age, if you read Neil Stevenson too, like it's all matter compiler. That's like that's like the ultimate pinnacle for what we're talking about here. It's like I don't want. Now we're not talking about like like color wire we're talking about like oh i'll build that wire myself thank you very much i will get the pvc you know yeah. replicators and I'll just build it up atom by atom and yeah that's... I'll, i'm gonna i'm gonna make this steven seafoam green colored <laughs> <laughs> yep yeah i like that i mean we're, we're frankly even though we're, we're talking about uh different processes we're actually not super far away from that in terms of silicon like we're getting close to the atomic level uh, transistors where like like some mm -hmm. of the gates are you know measured in tens of atoms like you're you're getting close to being like well there's not like a different way we can stack all these things you know even though we're talking about like a subtractive process in mm -hmm. in a lot of ways but but yeah 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 I mean this is like uh you know add additive is like they're saying like you know, atom by atom sort of thing it's just right uh, I don't think we're gonna get there anytime soon but uh, yeah well I, I mean I'm in in terms of in terms of manipulating the universe. I'm I'm saying we have a process that is uh, ah, we're, on we're, that we're scale. On, on the path you're saying, huh? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. That that was always one of the weirdest parts about um, some of my semiconductor physics classes, where we had to deal in angstroms, 
and units that are close to the size of atoms and it's like we just threw that around on our homework like it was nothing and I'm like well, wait yeah. no like we're talking about like the smallest of small that's right yeah it's like being really zoomed in on a cad drawing you know and you're like oh it's no big deal it's just like you know 20 nanometers no big deal and you zoom out you're like oh my god <laughs> yeah 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 uh, it's it's funny we have a we have a cnc at work that we uh we have to run a calibration on and we have a renishop uh, ruby tip probe on it that mm. measures down to one nanometer and uh and and one of the person one of the people i'm training on it she i've given her some specs in terms of when you're calibrating the machine you should see numbers like this and she's like hey it's reading like 12 nanometers is that good or bad and i'm like it's 12 nanometers here <laughs> like yeah. like start thinking about the scale of these things like yes i've given you parameters for these kinds of things where like 12 yeah. is like around the edge of it but like also stop and think like what is 12 nanometers you know <laughs> uh, in a manufacturing scale where we're like screwing things together 12 nanometers mm -hmm. is yeah we're talking fine <laughs> <laughs> uh i did see uh oh okay they uh they already answered on the chat someone was asking about the uh the book so never mind they've already they figured it out they figured it out yeah yeah, that's. Uh, I think I've, I listened to the audiobooks. I couldn't remember what what the Bobaverse hmm. was. I, I think I maybe I've only listened to the first book. Is there the first one books? is actually called "We Are Legion, We Are Bob." Yeah, and we are Legion. Series, the series is called Bobaverse. Okay, um, yeah. that's B O B I verse. The, yeah, that's right. Okay, yep. yeah, not yeah. Bob A or Bob O. -verse. I actually, I I really recommend the voice actor on the uh, the audiobooks are awesome too. Yeah, I really liked the first book. So yeah. Yeah, there's four now, and he got. Uh, he's actually an engineer. Not, not surprisingly, the author was an engineer, and now is full time author. So, kind of like Andy Weir style. So, how long have these been around for? Mm, five to ten years. Not not like a ton of time. Not like okay. classic, but you know, yeah. yeah. Very. Cool. I like them. Yeah, I'd recommend at least the first one because that that's one I have experience with. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Um, is there anything else we should talk about, guys? We we hit an hour here. I don't know how long you're usually recording these days. Usually about an hour. Yeah, um, so. that's our thing. You can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we're the we're the amp a little bit longer than an hour. Uh -huh. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was funny about that is we first when we started this podcast, it was like 15 minutes and we're gonna be done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no. then it kept growing, kept growing. I mean, yeah. there's so much to say, you know. Well, I, I think in the beginning is. I think we were trying to differentiate us a lot from the other podcasts, like the Amp Hour at the time, mm. and just grew into our own style. Like it just—that's just what happens, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so three hundred more. Woo! Three hundred more episodes. <laughs> yes, hopefully we'll have, we'll have Gamal back on on six hundred. Okay. That's <laughs> Actually, good. no. We'll that's have a, you back. We'll have you back on way sooner than that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Well, if you guys need anything, uh, yeah, I'm always there. I'm, uh, you know, building hardware. So let me know if people need help with hardware. Uh, yeah. So are you doing uh, contract work then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Uh, I do consulting for people. Um, uh, the one of my clients is public, uh, and it's pretty cool. It's called Goliath. So um, that's like a IoT interface kind of startup. And so, like, I make IoT thingies now. It's pretty great. Awesome. Yeah. So there is one thing you can do for me, Gamel. Yes. Sign out our podcast. This was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast, and I was your guest, Chris Gamel, but also like a host, because I'm the host of the Amp Hour, and this is also being posted on the Amp Hour. And thank you to our guests, who are also the hosts. Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Later, everyone. Take it easy. <laughs>